Bebopers. A brand new episode of Tabletop Bebop is about to start with your hosts, Naki, Ryan, and Sean. So grab your dice, grab your drink, sit back, and relax, because here we go. Good evening, Beboppers. Welcome to Episode 3 of Tabletop Bebop. This month, we're discussing the DC Duck Building game. I'm Naki, and I'm actually going to toss this over to Sean, your host for this evening, who has been raving about this game. Raving about because this is the only game I own. That is a lie. You also <laughs> own the, the X-Wing game. Oh, yeah, I do own that. Too. Okay, this is the only card game I own. And yes, I will rave about it for a good hour. You'll be lucky if you guys can get a chance to speak at all. But um, I will let Ryan speak right now and introduce him. Ryan, what's going on, dude? Not too much. I'm feeling pretty heroic. I'm excited to talk about this one. We're riding kind of a high coming off of Sentinels from the last episode and going right into this one. So I'm, let's let's get to it. Let's suit up. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, yeah, like we said, we're doing the uh, DC Deck Builder game by... Cryptozoic Entertainment, which I believe came out last year, so it's been around a while, um, enough for me to enjoy it. Um, and let's see, it was designed by Ryan? Was it designed by you? No, it was not designed by me. It was designed by two fellows by the names of Matt Hyra and Ben Stoll. I apologize if I'm uh, mispronouncing those names, as always. The, uh, the description on Board Game Geek never comes with a pronunciation guy. <laughs> Um, some of you may know these guys. They have uh, they have worked on the Lord of the Rings deck builder, which actually came out after the DC deck builder. That's in stores right now. Um, and then some some past games that they've worked on are the World of Warcraft uh, trading card game and the Cryptozoic small box card game Food Fight. Um, so they've got a, they've got a little bit a little bit of experience under their belt, and it actually came comes through pretty nicely here. Nice, nice, nice. Now, uh, so you've said they got Lord of the Lord of the Rings, Warcraft, Food Fight. Correct. All deck builder games themselves. Well, the uh, the Lord of the Rings is a deck builder. The World of Warcraft trading card game is more along the lines of uh, a Magic: The Gathering. It's a it's a collectible card game, but it is still a card game, um, and you do still deck build. You just deck build outside of the game. Um, Food Fight is another card game. I am unfortunately not terribly familiar with it. I want to say that that one is a deck building game, but, but uh, take that with a grain of salt, guys. I, I have not looked too deeply into that one. Okay, so now that we've said deck building about a dozen times, Naki, you want to tell everyone what a deck building game is? Sure, but I bet you Ryan can do a better job of this. I will give my best description, and then Ryan can correct me all over the place. <laughs> Um, basically what a deck builder is, is you start off with a certain number of cards, usually 10, uh, certain cards that are worth points. And you buy these, you use your points to buy stronger cards. So with the DC deck builder is you are given punches, which are worth one point each. Um, you start off the game with one point each. And as you build your deck, you build, you buy these cards to build your deck, and as you build these decks, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. So you become more and more into a superhero. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Slightly. It was a good, it was a good start. How's that? Yay! I can kind of 
give a description as to what the game we're playing is, even though I love this game. <laughs> I'm going to make Ryan give the real description now, since he can do that better. All right, so Ryan, you want to tell us uh, what you get in your box of cards? Um, well, the uh, the DC deck building game uh, obviously comes with a whole mess of cards, because the object of the game, as Naki said, is to build a deck that you are constantly adding better and better cards to your deck and building kind of like building engines so that you can continue to buy better cards, which will then allow you to buy even better cards. Um, since this game uh, is, is is a card game and pretty much has only cards to it, um, I can't really say a whole lot about the components other than the fact that they are printed on a nice, uh, a decent cardstock, very vibrant colors, great artwork. I really like the graphic design on the cards. Um, and, uh, you know, we can go a little bit more into into that and uh, storage and sleeping and stuff later on in the uh, in the review. Now, the first type of card that, uh, that comes up since we are playing a DC deck builder um, is the superhero card. And one of the first stages of the game when you're setting up is choosing a hero. The hero cards are a slightly bigger, slightly thicker card stock uh, card, and they are designed to sit to the side of your deck and will affect how you play. For example, the Flash has a superpower that reads... You go first, because you're the Flash. You're the fastest man alive. Uh, it doesn't actually say all that. It just says you go first. And then he has the superpower ability. The first time a card tells you to draw one or more cards during each of your turns, draw an additional card. And each of the heroes will have a different effect like that. For example, Batman has plus one power for each equipment you play during your turn. Power is the currency that you use in order to buy better and better cards. So... As we go on discussing different uh, card types, you may notice that one of them is equipment. And Batman, uh, as is very thematic and appropriate, will become more and more powerful the more types of car, the more types of equipment cards you play during your turn. And so, if you're a superhero, you're going to have to fight some supervillains. The uh, the DC deck building game comes with, I believe, a dozen, ranging from Parallax to Darkseid to Brainiac to the first one you meet every time you play, which is Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, the supervillain cards are not the oversized, are not the size of the oversized card that your superhero would be, but the standard 52, like, normal cards that you play with a normal deck of cards, poker card. I don't know what the dimension is, so forget that. Um, now, like I said, Ra's al Ghul you start with, he doesn't really attack you as much as just start your game off, but uh, as uh, you defeat villains, you'll be flipping over more, and each one of those will have an attack, and let's see, do we, uh, do we need to go into that just yet, or is, well, you can, is that good enough for you? You can do, like, an example. Just pull one of the random supervillains and be like, this is what a first attack is. Alright, let's see. Um, Actually, uh, before you get into that, you know, we did we did miss one crucial crucial element before we start uh, really breaking breaking into this game, and yeah. that is the goal of the game. And the goal of the game is victory points. Um, this is true. And the supervillain cards, just as we're getting into it, the supervillain cards have the best victory point to cost ratio, and we'll explain that a little bit more as things go on. But understand that supervillain cards are going to be super tough to defeat, but once you do, you draft them into your deck just like any other card. They're worth a ton of victory points at the end of the game, and they usually have some pretty cool effects. However, 
as Sean is about to illustrate, they also have attacks. So after you defeat Ra's al Ghul, every subsequent supervillain, when they are revealed, is going to attack everyone who's playing. All right, now, let's see, I just pulled up uh, Captain Cold randomly here. Captain Cold's first appearance, which is what is the only time that they are going to attack you, uh, would state that uh, each player flips his superhero face down until the villain is defeated. And what that would do is negate your uh, your hero's superpower until the hero until the villain is defeated. That hurts, by the way, especially yeah. if you're the Flash. Yeah, none yeah. of these supervillain attacks are any good. The lo- the good thing is is you only have to face each attack once. But mm-hmm. man, if you get a bad run of supervillains, it can be brutal. Yeah, more expensive. <laughs> the villains, it seems, the worse the attacks actually are. But also, the stronger that the uh, their benefits are to you when you're having them in your hand. So good with the bad. It's all a matter of balance there. <laughs> Yep, but the only way you can buy a super villain off the bat is with a punch card. I was going to say, that's my turn now, isn't it? Yep. So I'm actually going to combine punch and vulnerability since this is what our starter deck begins Mm. with. So the game begins with ten cards in your hand. You get seven punch cards and three vulnerability. Punch cards give you points, so each punch card is worth one point. Well, they're not worth any victory points, but they're worth buying points. Um, power. Yeah, they call them power. Yes, thank you. Power. And then, sorry, we were playing Dominion over the weekend, so now my brain is all kind of wah. That's called shadowing beboppers. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. And then vulnerability are nothing but they burn a hole in your deck. Basically, anytime you draw a vulnerability card means you can't draw a punch card, or you can't draw one of the cards you bought, or anything like that. And so you want to destroy them as quickly as you possibly can. And destroying cards is not very easy in this game. It's not. We can get into that when we get into the weakness cards as well. But those are, that, those are your starter cards. Now, because you only have seven to begin with, the like and you when you play your cards, you only, you play your hand, you only play five cards at a time. The likelihood of you getting five punch cards right away is very slim and none. Now there are things called kit cards. Sorry, this is just the easiest for me to go into all three. At the same time. There are things called kit cards that are worth three power. So if you draw, if you only draw three cards right away, or three punch cards right away, and there's nothing laid out in front of you worth three, you'll always have a kit card to go to. Yeah, there's, it's pretty much just a quick way to start building your deck off the, off the hop. Should your, should the, uh, the game not provide you with anything. Which happens more often than I care to admit. Damn you, deck. <laughs> We can cover a little bit, a little bit more about the uh, the kick cards and the weakness cards when we get into the setup section. Once we uh, once we get through all the different card types, too. That's right. So not only do you have a superhero as your main card, but there are other hero cards that come in the deck as well. Uh, Ryan, you got any favorites? Oh man, do I have favorites? Well, so you <laughs> well, got your let's, let's tell us what they are and tell tell us what they do. Well, you've got your superhero. And your superhero is off to the side. They they are who you are in the game. The hero cards, the just standard hero cards, are cards you'll be drafting into your deck to make your deck stronger. They're one of several different types of cards, and then we're kind of covering them step by step here. But uh, the hero is, is one of the more basic ones, because those will represent characters like Green Arrow, Robin, Superman... Aquaman, etc. It's important to note that you will have some heroes that are also superheroes. The game is a little bit abstract in that regard. So, for example, I could be playing the Flash as my superhero, but I could draft into my into my hand a hero card that says the fastest man alive, 
and it's also the Flash. Yeah, um, the same goes with Super. It seems like the hero cards will be kind of the nickname for that superhero. Yeah, exactly. So you have like uh, the Superman hero card is called Man of Steel because the superhero card that you choose at the beginning of the game is Superman. And I think they did that to prevent any sort of to prevent any sort of confusion. Although I, I hope that people listening to this now aren't getting confused <laughs> as we're talking about it. Um, you asked me what a couple of my favorites are, and actually, I think my absolute favorite one is the Man of Steel hero card it's, because uh, that, one, yeah. that one has a wonderfully thematic effect that says um, when you play this card, uh, remove all superpower cards from your discard pile to your hand. And while that may not make a lot of sense while we're in the middle of explaining things, the basic idea is that because Superman has so many powers, they're allowing you to pull all of these powers from your discard pile and use them right away. And it's just kind of a nice little tongue-in-cheek uh, jab at Superman that I thought was really hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and all of the heroes will have some kind of effect in addition to granting you power. Um, sometimes they may not grant you any power at all, but they've got a very powerful effect. For example, the Martian Manhunter, John Johns. John Johns is the name of his card because there is a, a superhero card for the Martian Manhunter. His ability is that he allows you to use the ability on the current supervillain card as if you had played it, which is also very thematic because he's, you know, he's shape changing and, and, and controlling the enemy to, to serve your purpose which is pretty hilarious. So you get a lot of really varied and fun effects with the heroes, and they're all very thematic and, and fun. Yeah, and I think you picked like, like half of my favorites already, which is awesome. I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> no one you did. You mentioned uh, you mentioned superpower cards, so uh, I'm actually going to jump jump to that. What the, what those do is effectively just dis- describe a, a, a superpower that one of the characters in the game would would have: heat vision, um, super strength. Now the Flash should have some here. I can't seem to find any. Um, the Flash will let you pick up cards. Super strength, you know, it would be for Superman, or at least the picture on it would be for Superman, but can be used on any of the superheroes. Gives you like a plus five power. Uh, sometimes they let you look at your opponent's cards, anything like that, and they also provide you with power. So that's just one more great way to uh, bolster your deck. One other thing that's in the superpowers is there's one called Heat Vision, and I mentioned before that you want to get rid of those vulnerability cards. That's one that'll do that for you. Mm. That is a current favorite of mine, as I tend to get stuck with vulnerability and weakness cards more often than I care to admit. Right on. We've got two more kind of cards left here. we got equipments and locations. Maki? You also know. forgot villain. That's three. Did we do... Uh, I did villains. Did, we did you, super, did, you did super Oh, we villains. did super villains. That's right. Okay, so Naki, you got your choice of three. Oh, no. Okay, well, location... I'm going to talk location, because I actually really like the location cards. Location cards are continued-use cards, so you could actually keep them in front of you after you acquire... Well, not... You acquire them, and once they're in your hand again, you can keep them out in front of you for the rest of the game. Um, There's things like the Titan Tower, the Fortress of Solitude, which is really cool, because we'll get into why this is one of my favorite games, or why I've really enjoyed this game. I can't say one of my favorites, but it's really one that I've enjoyed quite a bit because of things like this. But the Titan Tower gives you boost I can't recall off the top of my head which ones they are. They'll all usually let you uh, draw a card from from your deck. And if you're Flash, hint, hint, wink, wink, that helps you. Yes, you can draw another card, I'm sure. Flash is my current favorite hero to use as I like to build my decks super big. I almost said dicks there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not even gonna lie. Well, would we have uh, earned our um, explicit rating already, or is this is this the start of it? We're we're working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, the first the first two episodes weren't really all that explicit. Somebody's got to say dicks. That would okay. be. Okay, I'll throw a mouthfuck in there. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Alright, so we got left with uh, equipments and villains. Equipment cards, if it wasn't my turn, I'm taking it. (laughs) (laughs) The equipment cards here can be anything which you would normally find in the comic books helping out your superheroes. And they will also help you in the game by giving you points and doing other little fun things like allowing you to pull cards from your discard pile into your hand. Or, you know, instead of just uh, buying a card and putting it in your discard pile right away like you're supposed to, um, you get to put it on top of your deck. So there are a bunch of fun ones. You know, you've got uh, Aquaman's Trident, Utility Belts. I think you got a Batmobile in there. There's, there's all kinds of fun stuff in there. Which We actually have saved the best part for last, and that is the villain cards. The villains are to the supervillain deck what the heroes are to the superheroes. The supervillain deck is what you're trying to work through to gain Buku victory points. The villain deck has the has has the attacks that the supervillain deck has, but it allows you to attack your your uh, opponents rather than attacking everyone. So, for example, one of my favorite favorite villains is Scarecrow. Scarecrow comes out, and every other opponent has to take a weakness card. And weakness cards count for negative victory. Three points at the end of the game, with a few exceptions, which we can talk about later. So the villain cards will generally generate some power for you, and then have some kind of effect that, by and large, will hurt your opponents. Sometimes they give you a benefit and don't hurt your opponents, but for the most part, they allow you to attack your opponents. In case Um, anyone's wondering, though, Ryan is the worst person in the world to play this game with, because he's a (laughs) jerk. (laughs) You're just saying that because I love to play Scarecrow and give everyone tons and tons of weaknesses. Because he's a big jerk face. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and when you and when they don't and when most villain cards don't harm your uh, opponents, they usually give you pretty good bonuses. I mean, like Doomsday will give you a, a plus four, which is pretty pretty high ranking. Now, some some people might be asking at this point, why are there so many types of cards? This seems really really confusing and needlessly complicated, and to a certain extent, it is. But when you start playing and when you start using different heroes and getting different locations and different equipment, you'll begin to see that different combinations work really, really well together. We've talked a lot about the Flash, so why why, uh, why not go with something that isn't broken? Why fix what isn't broken? The, um, the Flash has the ability to draw an additional card every turn for the first card you play that allows you to draw a card. So if you keep getting all of these cards that allow you to draw cards, eventually you'll be drawing hands of 10, 11, 12 cards as opposed to the normal starting hand of 5. Getting all those extra cards in your hand will give you more heroes and more equipment that will allow you to generate more power in order to tackle more obstacles and draft more really good cards into your deck. I was playing a game as Wonder Woman for the first time, and Wonder Woman has a really fantastic ability that states... 
For each villain you buy or gain during your turn, draw an extra card at the end of your turn. And why that's powerful is because if you just keep focusing on getting villain cards, and maybe you get a couple locations and a couple pieces of equipment that allow you to more easily acquire villain cards, you can then draw more cards at the beginning of your turn, which may protect you from effects that force you to discard cards or may just give you the power you need to defeat that final supervillain and gain a whole bunch of victory points. So there's it may seem kind of confusing, but there are very good reasons and actually very compelling and interesting combinations that come from all of these different types of cards you can draft into your deck. So the uh, the way the game's actually going to look in front of you before you before you start is uh, you're going to have all the cards we described minus the kick cards, the super villain cards and the the weakness cards laid out. They all of those are going to be in one big pile of which I believe is about 140, 140 of them. And you are going to set yourself up a row of five cards, and that is going to be the first row or first batch of cards that you and your opponents will be able to buy from. The uh, the reason the kick cards, Boomer, uh, kick cards, supervillains, and weakness cards aren't entered is because those get dolled out in different ways, as you may have figured out already. One um one other aspect of setup. One other aspect of setup that's important is um that there are there is a way to vary the game length. The rulebook suggests that you play with eight of the twelve villains which means that you will have Raza Ghoul on the top of the supervillain deck, and then there will be seven other supervillains, which you may not be sure which which ones are in there. It's always kind of a random a random draw. And I think that's, uh, that's interesting because you can't prepare to go through each supervillain. You don't know which ones are going to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get more into that in gameplay, but uh, that, that is part of setup that I think is important to mention. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you. So with the setup, you've get, and you've also dealt yourself out. You've got your ten cards, dealing yourself out five. You're gonna find out whether or not how many po- or you're gonna find out how many points you've got in your hand, and then you can move on to the next step, which is buying cards. Is that me? No, I say was. How do you buy cards? Did, did you just call me Naki? Naki, how do you buy cards? You just called me Naki. I'm quitting. Naki? <laughs> I, blame his, uh, I blame his icy northern accent for that. That's true. He is he is beyond the wall. Okay, so buying cards, as I, I kind of briefed on this before, you start off the game with seven punch cards and three vulnerability cards. The punch cards are worth one power each, which is indicated at the bottom of the card. No, the, um, the, the power that a card generates is, is in the card text area. Thank but you. The cost of the card is in the bottom right in a little circle. Thank you. See, it's easier if I had it in front of me, but that's okay. So it is. it's indicated in the rules itself that punch card is plus one, and in the little text that is on the card itself that says that punch card... Is it say actually on the card? I don't actually yeah. remember that. Yeah, it's plus one. Okay. Um, anyways, so you begin your turn by buying your first card. Where So I'm just going to say as your random hand, you drew... Three punch cards and two vulnerability. Wah wah, that sucks. Basically, you can buy a kick card, and there are very, there's a few villains and a, like, I want to say one or two heroes that you can buy for three. Um, yeah, you can get a, like, you can get Catwoman for two, you can get, I think, Cheetah for two, you know, Aquaman has tried it for three. There's a, there's a, there's a few of them. But it, your, the deck doesn't always work out to your favor. No. So, there's always the kick card, if that happens to be the only thing that's available. It still gives you plus two power in your next 
when you're able to use it. So you you go through your your you buy your your first card and you go ahead and put it in your discard pile with the rest of your hand. Everything is discarded at the end of your turn. Now, what if you get to defeat a villain once you get through your deck? You said before. Once you defeat Ra's al Ghul, you get to flip over the next surprise villain. That's actually and, under your name, so that's why I'm continuing to speak here, love. <laughs> <laughs> you paused. I'm just I don't know, I was just looking for my cards. Uh-huh. For my stack of villain cards, I've got so many cards laid out in front of me right now, it's unbelievable. Now, before you can move on to the next person's turn after defeating a villain, is when, that is when you actually have to deal with the new first appearance of the villain in gameplay. So, and like like we said before, the, uh, the cards can't will affect everybody that is playing, not just the person that flipped it over. Something that is to note here, though, if you have a superpower card in your hand, you are able to discard it to avoid the villain attack, but that's only if you have a superpower card in your hand. Um, and is it every? Is, is it every super? It's not even every superpower. I card. think it has to indicate. Some superpower cards will indicate. Yeah. That you yeah, can avoid that villain attack. It's not, and it's not just superpower cards. I'm pretty sure there's some hero cards in there as well. Um, yeah, specifically the card will say defense. Yeah. And this is where we get into some of the card terminology. Basically, the the supervillain first appearance is almost always, I think it is always, I'm flipping through them right now, it is always listed as an attack. There are other cards in the game, like Scarecrow, which I mentioned before, that list its ability as an attack. There are then other cards, equipment, heroes, some superpowers, some of each of them will list that they are can be used as a defense and generally what that means is you will disc- you will reveal that card, say, I've got, you know, uh, one woman's lasso of truth. I will reveal it. It says defense, discard this card to avoid one attack, then draw one card. So you can then do that to avoid an attack, which can be sometimes not beneficial to you. If you've got a really good card that you don't want to discard for the defense, you might yeah. have to hit, but... Those attacks can be really, really brutal, and that that choice is up to you. Exactly. So that seems to be the whole thing. How, do you, how does the game end? I'll, I'll field that one, since my name's by it on the show notes. There are two ways that the game can end. The first is if the last supervillain in the supervillain deck is defeated, the game ends immediately, and then you'll score up your victory point totals. The other way the game can end, and I haven't come across this yet it hasn't come up in any of the games that i've played but if you go through the entire stack of of cards that form the lineup the entire basically play deck the main deck deck, thank you then uh that that will end the game as well um if you ever reach a point where you cannot replenish the lineup it's important to not only keep an eye on how many cards are left in the main deck but also how many cards are left in the supervillain deck because generally with this kind of game, you want to end it on your own terms as opposed to someone else's. Yeah, getting through 140 cards would take quite a few players and quite a few flashcards. <laughs> Which actually we can talk about later on. Sorry. I just I didn't even realize that we were talking about that later, so I'm going to shut up. Just like that. See? Well, you I'm a- because you need to tell, uh, you need to tell us how, how we score this mofo. Um, wish for the best and run all, run away with all your cards, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so the way that you win is by having the most victory points. The game ends by having all the superheroes defeated, but how do you know who the winner is? Is you check the little star that's in the bottom left hand corner, right? 
Okay. And it says there's a little number in there. There's things like some of the cards like Suicide Squad. If you have multiples of the same card, that determines how many victory points that card is worth. Green Arrow, I believe, is determined by how many equipment cards you have. Or is it he- superhero cards? Uh, let's see. Green Arrow's a hero card. Yep. Uh, at the end of the game, if you have four or more heroes in your deck, uh, the card's worth five victory points. So that's pretty go. huge. Because uh, chances are you'll have, you know, four, four hero cards. Right. It's really easy to get four hero cards. And then the, mo- the, the cards that are worth the most victory points is the supervillain cards. So that's what you want to aim for. But the way you add them up is how it says there. You just add up the little number there in your star. Um, weaknesses are worth negative one, though. Unless you have Bizarro. Bizarro card actually turns your weaknesses into plus ones. Uh, actually turns it into two VPs. Oh, sorry. Victory points, yeah. Sorry. It is worth two victory points. So, Bizarro, because it's Bizarro, it might be the best thing to have if you get a lot of weakness cards like I do. Yeah. Because I hit play with jerk people like Sean and Ryan. Oh. <laughs> Don't ever play Munchkin with Ryan either. <laughs> if you want to be his friend, don't play Munchkin with him. I have such a terrible reputation with that game. Anyway. But, <laughs> but anyways, that is how you determine the winner, is who has the most victory points. Excellent. So, yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's interesting that it's not who, like, you know, kills off the last supervillain, but, you know, it goes a little bit beyond, beyond that by tallying the points. Mm-hmm. It actually could be technically... Who kills the most supervillains? Yeah, but it could also be who. I mean, the, what's interesting about the scoring for this game is that you don't. Supervillains are the best way to secure victory points. They have the best point per cost ratio, uh, per point for cost ratio. But the, all of the cards, for the most part, have from, from the main deck have some sort of victory point total to them. And if you are a savvy player, you can uh, you can score a lot of victory points by just buying the right cards, even if you don't defeat supervillains. Which is interesting. It adds it adds another depth of uh, depth of strategy to the game outside of just I need to gain power to defeat supervillains. That's right. That's right. Yeah, like Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know, you get, you have to actually pay attention to collecting that specific card repeatedly. Because mm-hmm. I think if you if you manage to get every Suicide Squad in the deck, which is I think there's only five of them, each card will end up being worth five points. So you'll end up with twenty five points with five with within five cards. Yeah, which would be huge. It, which it, it effect it essentially makes them super villains once they're all teamed up. Exactly. It's a super villain team up card, and who doesn't want that? Everybody likes the super villain team ups. So, um, any other thoughts that we've had on this game? I'm sure there's lots. My favorite thing about this game is that you don't really have like DC is my favorite of the of the big two. Uh DC is is my preferred choice. So but what's nice is that I could bring this card to my or this game to my dad who isn't a big DC guy. He much prefers Marvel. He's a big Ghost Rider nerd and ugh, whatever. And he will still know what's going on without really having to know the DC universe. But for those of us who are big DC fans, it really gives good nods to those of us who, you know, really enjoy the actual universe that DC takes place in as well. Yeah, I, I, 
I like the uh, the fact that I could you know six, sit down with a, a six year old and a seventy year old at the same time and play this game and have, have everyone enjoy it equally. The gameplay was uh, easy enough for a six year old to, to handle. You know, once he's once he played it a few times, he actually you know is starting to build up the memorization of what the cards were, so he knows what he's going for now. I don't have to sit there and read read the cards out to him anymore. So I, I thought that was great. You know, compared Both to stuff like Pokemon. Pardon me? Guys, points um, touch upon something I wanted to discuss with this game because there are, there are two other... The deck-building genre is really huge in tabletop gaming right now, um, and that is thanks to its its progenitor, Dominion. And Dominion is kind of the granddaddy of them all. It, it has some very elegant mechanics. It's a very simple, very well-done deck-building game, and it's what started this whole genre of games going for the most part. Um, and it is one of the games that D- the DC deck builder is compared to fairly often. The other is a game called Ascension, and Ascension is an- another very, very good deck builder that is very similar to this one in that in Ascension, you are building a deck of heroes to defeat monsters, which gain you victory points. Um, now, Ascension uses two different types of currency. You have a a fighting value, which is what you use to defeat monsters, and then you have a money value, which is what you use to acquire more heroes and equipment into your deck, whereas Dominion just has one currency value. So for me, this one seems to lean a little bit closer to Dominion, and I like that. I actually like that a lot, because as much as I love Dominion, as great as the mechanics are for Dominion, the theme just falls flat with me, because in Dominion, I guess you are some sort of baron or lord trying to gain more territory and thus compete for victory points in order to to rule a kingdom. A douchey. Uh, or, yeah, or, or <laughs> a douchey, as uh, some people like to say. Um, it's actually called it, a duchy, guys. I know what it actually is. In, in this game, you have the exact same mechanics as in Dominion. You have one type of currency, you are generating your currency every every turn and using it to buy more cards, which will help you generate more currency to help you buy cards that will be worth the most victory points. Where this game succeeds is having the superhero cards, which will slightly tweak your style of play depending on which superhero you get, and having the combos, which are much tighter and much more... They're, they're much bigger brain burners than some of the combos in Dominion. And then you have, as Naki said, all these wonderful nods to the DC universe. So if you're even just a mild fan of DC comics like I am, there's enough in here for me to, to, to laugh at and get a good chuckle out of or to be like, wow, that is a really well-thought-out card and that is a really thematic and really fits with with what I'm trying to do. Um, my, my favorite example of this is the bat signal. The bat signal is a piece of equipment you can get. When you play the bat signal from your hand, you can retrieve a hero from your discard pile. You're actually summoning a hero using the bat signal. I think that's such yeah. a brilliant, elegant yeah. use of uh, A, the mechanic, and B, the, the, actual, the actual, you know, theme device of the bat signal. And this game really excels at both of those. So for my money, having this simplicity and elegance of Dominion without a lot of the bells and whistles of, of a lot of deck building games that are coming out now trying to improve on that formula, Cryptozoic played it very safe, made what is functionally a carbon copy of Dominion, and then just tweaked it a little bit, made a few cuts, made a few edits, added some glitter, and it came out very, very well done. Now, you you, uh, you mentioned the bat signal. Um, that is actually one of my favorite cards to combine with 
with Robin. Oh, yeah. Because you can just sit there and both cards are worth one point, but you can just sit there and if you've been collecting those two cards and they're in your disc and they're in your disc pile, you can keep going back and forth and pulling up, you know, you, you play your bat signal, which allows you to pull a hero out and then you can pull up Robin from your discard pile, which gives you another point to buy something with, but also allows you to pull out another equipment card from your, from your discard pile. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got another bat signal in your discard pile, you can just keep rotating and or redoing that over and over again if you've been if you've been paying attention and collecting those two cards. And that is that is that kind of play is is something that I don't I don't necessarily want to say it's a criticism, but it's something people should be aware of. Is that you will reach this point where you have to very carefully think about the order in which you play your cards yeah. because there's definitely always there's always going to be an optimum order that will get you the most bang for your buck. And yeah. if you mess that up. Um, you might be cheating yourself out of extra points or extra card draws or some sort of special ability that will, you know, could could be be the difference between winning and losing the game. Now, do you have a favorite way of kind of going about it without, uh, you know, bringing up like specific cards? Because I mean, for me, I I will always play my draw card, like your draw card first. Mm-hmm. Like so, like your your flash superpowers, which which allow you to draw cards, I will tend to play those ones first. That way I can then go and look at my new hand and kind of go from there off that. Uh, Naki, I don't know if you have a, a favorite strategy to, to approach this game with you want to you want to throw in here. I Because I play the Flash, and I mentioned this earlier, that Flash is, is generally my, my favorite that I'll use. I, I do the same thing Sean does where I will play my draw card first because it tends, it, if I get my way, I will build up my deck full of... Flash and Kid Flash and the superhero of uh, Super Speed, there's superpower of Super Speed, where it's basically just drawing cards, and that's what I need as Flash because that is that is what Flash is the best at is is going through cards like that. So I generally I start off kind of slow, being Flash, building up things very slowly like superpowers and and heroes and things like that. But as soon as I start seeing Kid Flash and Super Speed and uh, the hero for Flash card show up is when I start buying right away and yeah, trying to hit as yeah the fastest man alive. I cycle through my deck so quickly being Flash um, because it's just the best to me it has always been the most specific to a character slash strongest way to play a character. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, I really like because this game is so similar to Dominion. Um, I I kind of fall back on the strategy of being able to draw cards is always good even if you're not playing the flash being able to draw cards is always good and having having a lot of currency is always good so i always try and go for a few kicks right at the beginning unless there's a card in the lineup that's that's really decent that i can afford but from there it kind of depends on what my which hero i'm playing as and currently i think my favorite is actually aquaman his power reads you may put any cards with cost five or less you buy or gain during your turn on top of your deck so that means that you are you have the advantage of knowing what's coming up in your deck by using his ability, and that can lead to some really interesting combos with other cards uh, going forward. So it's always uh, it's always a lot of fun to play to the strengths of, of your hero and and see where that takes you. Now, I'm speaking speaking to the to the Aquaman card specifically, I I played him today in the in my in the solo version that we've come up with here. And while it's it's nice to be able to put your newly acquired cards on top of your deck. 
deck, and you're also putting, you know, the weaker two-thirds of cards on top of your deck. You know what I mean? You're, you're, um, you're, it seems like you're, you're going to want to go for these, uh, the smaller priced cards, which are, are going to be the weaker card have in your hand. And they're always going to be, you know, blocking kind of the stronger cards that you've also bought coming up. Did you find that at all to be true, uh, Ryan? You know, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and that definitely can be a problem because it, it's at some point you're going to reach the, reach the point where you want to say, I don't want to acquire cards that cost five or less. I want to car- acquire cards that cost six, seven, eight, nine. I want to go after some of the the big nasty villains who who always cost. I believe there's. I believe the minimum cost for a super villain is eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Razal Ghul is eight, and yeah. Black Manta is eight. So. At that point, Aquaman's ability does not seem super powerful. The one thing I, I, I've noticed playing with him, though, is that there are a lot of cards that cost five or less yeah. that are pretty powerful. Gorilla Grodd costs five. Oh, yeah, for sure. Our, um, your kicks cost three. You can throw those right on top of your deck. So at least, and, and the other thing is that using this power is optional. So being able to choose when you want to put that card on there okay. can be a very, very, um, a very powerful effect, but it, you know, one of my gripes with this game, one of one of my my criticisms is that first of all, not every hero, not every superhero is created equally. I played as Cyborg in the uh, the tournament at C two E two, and I got shafted using him. And it wasn't necessarily because he's a bad hero, but because you're only drawing five cards from a mixed deck of cards, the main deck is mixed of all sorts of different types. It may come up where you cannot draw the type of cards that will allow you to activate your superhero's special ability, or you may not see cards in the lineup that will combo well with the cards you've already drawn. So there's definitely a random element to the game, which can be a little frustrating. Nothing that would make me not want to play it, but it can come up and you're just kind of like, ah, damn, I'm not winning this one just because the cards haven't been right for me. And it's, it's it's like the same thing with Wonder Woman. Where it's like, you have to have villains in order for, for her card to, uh, to play. Exactly. I think I've played as Green Lantern before. Now, Green Lantern was a lot on the equipment, wasn't it? Uh, I can't. Let's see. If you play three or more cards well, with three different names that cost one or more, you get plus three. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. So it takes a while to even activate Green Lantern's power. Yeah. Some, yeah. Of, them, some of them go, some of them are quick. Like, Superman's pretty quick because you only need a superpower, but you only get plus one, which doesn't. That makes sense. He should he should be throwing down. Uh, well, that's because he's automatically OP. He's a he, just a, just as a character, Superman is overpowered. So they just wanted to take him down just a little bit, so it was yeah. fair to play with everybody else. Yeah. Remember, Superman is plus one power for each different superpower you play. So if you're playing this is, this is also true. and a super strength and a kick, because a kick counts counts as a superpower, that adds up real fast. It's it's basically the same as Batman's power, which adds plus one power for each equipment you play. Just for superpowers, and you know, I played. I did play one game as Batman, where I was able to just, again, the cards came up well for me, and I was able to grab a couple of uh, Green Lantern power rings and the bat signal and the utility belt, the cape and cowl, and all these different types of equipment cards, and I was pulling in just tons of power, so much power that I actually. There were a couple situations where I didn't know what to do with it all. There was, were no good purchases for me. I had to end up just throwing power away because I didn't want to defeat the supervillain, but I didn't want to just buy all the cards that were out there because yeah. I'd be buying cards that wouldn't suit the deck I was building. 
and that does come up too, where you can buy every like everything that's on that's available, including the super villain. Yeah, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah, those those power turns are really really great. Like how many? Now you were at CTE two, and how many games did you get to play there? Um, well, I played I played one with Naki and our good friend Chris, who was with us for the first episode. Also on all things good and nerdy. On all things good and nerdy, as well as Jeanette, who uh, writes for GunnaGeek.com. She does the uh, Wednesday webcomic articles for uh, GunnaGeek.com and has uh, guest hosted on all things good and nerdy. Uh, also his and, girlfriend. Also my girlfriend. And the four of us played, and so we got that one game in, and then I played in the tournament, and that was two games. We played. It was a two-round tournament. All, all, all three of those games were four players each, which was interesting. Generated some very interesting scenarios and some very compelling games. And there were some turns that were just, they were not to be believed. And yeah, that's, that's what I want, that's what I wanted to hear about was yeah. some of these, like you said, big power hands. Oh man, there were, there was a flash player in the first round of the tournament. He drew six, he drew 16 cards on his turn. Oh yeah. He, he had, so he had his five original and he had, he just had this one, this wonderful like mix. Like he had a couple locations out that allowed him to draw. Sure. And he had a couple super speeds and kid flashes and penguins. And he just, he just kept drawing into all these cards because that was the strategy he was going for. So this was a couple turns in. He'd had an opportunity to buy a couple cards and, and, and really build the deck properly. But the, even the cryptozoic guys who were there, it was funny because they kept saying, man, flash just isn't that good. Flash just isn't that good. And that guy ended up winning because he was just drawing so many cards. They were completely dumbfounded by it. And it was, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah, when we were there, when I was there playing with Ryan, um, unfortunately, when I was playing with Ryan, I had to go on shift, so I did not get to play the whole time. They they were telling us, oh, Flash is horrible. Flash is not worth his, your time, and I'm sitting there like, Flash is awesome. Flash is the best. Yeah, he's 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 slowly becoming my favorite. Actually, did uh, did fancy uh, Cyborg the most just because he his power, which uh, which reads, um, if you play one or more superpower during your turn, plus one, and if you play one or more equipment during your turn, you can draw a card. So he he does give you d- double benefits there. And I found there was there was one game like I think that's where I fell in love with that bat signal and Robin combination. Oh yeah. Because you know I get to I got to keep picking up uh, I get to, got to keep picking up bat signals, which just kept meaning I got to uh, I got to pick up cards off cyborg as well so it was the right superhero with the right hand yeah it's it doesn't matter who it's going to be you can develop, you can build some uh, some crazy hands to lay out if you went with the right deck you built on the uh, the, the comboing and the diff- the opportunity to play as different superheroes also adds to the replayability of the game because you never know really what you're going to get out of it you never know what supervillains you're going to come up, you know, come up against because it's it's a different different selection of them every every round, and you don't know what order they're coming in. Uh, you know, what cards come up in the lineup will definitely affect your your decision, and then what superhero you have is going to alter your style of play and and kind of guide you in one direction or another. So there's a lot of replayability here. I hope that Cryptozoic. I hope first of all, I hope this game is selling well for them because I'd like to encourage Cryptozoic to continue publishing quality games as opposed to some of the garbage they've they've uh, published in the past. But I, I also hope that it's selling well so that it will necessitate a uh, an expansion because I can definitely see some very interesting expansion options for this game 
with new superhero cards, new supervillain cards, maybe yes. a couple different modes of play where you can actually play a fully cooperative game or a fully solo game that would that would be you know supported and 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 have a lot of different options. Now, Sean, you turned all of us on to a solo play variant. Did you want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Well, you turned me on to a website where I found this uh, solo variant. And what what we do is uh, set up everything to look like normal. But what you do is, since you don't have um, the need for your weakness cards, because no, you're not you're not going to be giving that anybody. They become uh, uh, turn counters for you. There's 20 of them in there, so you have 20 turns to defeat your your eight villains. Um, and what they've said to do is. Set it up as normal. Um, you know, buy after your first round, you buy your cards, you discard your cards. When it should be the next person's turn, what I actually, what you actually do is burn the last card in the, the row. And, and I, well, the way I do it is I'll set up my five cards, and where a six card would be is my burn card pile. And once I've burned a card, you know, or bought a card, at the end of that turn, burn it, slide all the remaining cards over to the right, refill the lineup. Now, when it comes to the next time to burn a card, I will always take the card for further, further, yes, furthest to the right and burn that one. Um, what that does is it pushes the, the cards in front of you that much faster. Ryan, you've played it, you've played it a, a couple times now, right? Correct. Compared to the rules that uh, were on the forums there, how did you like that, that style of doing it rather than just kind of randomly picking a card and destroying it? Well, uh, first of all, I gotta say that I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sold on a solo variant when you guys were telling me about it. After you after you told me your your rules for it, I did look up the the board game geek rules there. If you guys go to boardgamegeek.com and look up DC Deck Builder, you can find the the base rules that that Sean has uh, altered here slightly. After playing with your with your variations, Sean, I I really enjoy your variations. I wouldn't want to play it without it because the the burning of the card of one you know one card in the lineup a turn adds a, a, a kind of a sense of urgency to your purchasing you have to decide well do I want to purchase that card now because I know it's going to be destroyed mm-hmm. um, even though I might not need it right now or do I let it go and pick up something that's that's um, a little safer in the lineup and that one will be more helpful to me right now um, and that's very compelling it also like you said it also helps you shuffle through that main deck a lot quicker so then it becomes this uh, this kind of race against time because you're flipping the weakness cards which end up being your timer for the game and you're trying to, to just defeat as many super villains as possible and it made for a really compelling play experience i really enjoyed it once i play one game i can't i can't, I can't stop yeah <laughs> i just kind of want to go through every hero and play like eight games back to back <laughs> which i think we did one night I'm pretty positive. Uh, Sean and I set up our computers back to back and went, well, we kind of variated, made it a variation so that the two of us were actually competing against each other to, to defeat the villains quicker. It's and tough. It's not, it's not easy at all. Because what, what ends up happening is we're both playing with two stacks of villain cards or super villain cards, so we end up both having to defeat the full the full stack each while taking the effects from each other's villains. Oh man! Oh yeah, dude, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's actually it's actually I'm surprised how often we played it. I got in trouble because I was playing it and not paying attention to my family at one point. As totally worth it. The game's that good, guys. The game's that good. <laughs> You will totally. your family. Be- Beboppers, we don't do a rating system in here because rating systems are totally square, but 
Um, I think we know Sean's opinion of the game. It's it's a definite buy for him. Uh, Naki, you own it as well. Do you have any any closing thoughts? I definitely recommend it, especially if you are a starting table topper. It's a really good way to introduce yourself into the deck building world if you don't want to go into the massive world that is Dominion, which has like nine different expansion packs, and I understand that it's a little overwhelming. The DC deck builder does give you that beginner's feel. And you don't feel overwhelmed by the amount that comes in. I gotta, I gotta agree with that. It's a, it's a really fun game. Um, I don't own a deck building game in my collection yet, which is kind of shocking. Um, but this is, this is probably going to be the one that's going to take that coveted spot in a market that is just flooded with deck building games these days. I like the simplicity of this one. I like that it's got a very strong theme that is married to the mechanics very well. Um, everything just, just kind of flows very well together. And even though it has some random elements that might throw a game off, some balance issues that, that could be that can be affected by that randomness, I really enjoy it. Uh, I think the artwork's good. I think the component quality is good. All the cards are in nice, thick card stock. Because it's a deck-building game and there's a lot of shuffling and stuff going on, You know, I would recommend sleeving these. But you could get away with just using real cheap penny sleeves. You don't need, you know, super fancy Magic the Gathering or other collectible card game sleeves to keep them to keep them super pristine. Just something to keep the the, uh, the edges from getting dinged and whatnot. Would the penny uh-huh. sleeves make them slide though? Um, they would slide. They would slide a little bit. But uh, what happens is that with any card sleeve surface, it, as soon as you open them, they're super slick and really smooth. After a little bit of play, they start to get these little micro scratches on them that help keep them from from sliding sliding around too much. Gotcha. Uh, the yeah. one major concern I would have is that they wouldn't fit back in the box if you sleeved it because the the box insert for this game is very space dependent, which probably just throw that box insert away, but yeah. uh, it, it does work well if you don't sleeve your cards. And the way the, way the box is, is uh, set up, you have to divide the uh, the cards up mm-hmm. by uh, by their um, by their names. Yeah. And that's where I found that my cards are, that's where the damage is coming. Yeah, that, that insert is very snug, and I could I can definitely see that wearing wearing the edges of your. Uh, it's uh, not uh, that. It's uh, they're they're actually bending. Oh yes, yes, you were saying, you were telling me about that before uh, before we started recording. Yeah. They're sat on their sides, left to kind of like they've got a little bit of wiggle room in there, and that just seems they just lean the one to one side, and it, it gets a bend in them. So I'm actually going to consider sleeving these because I because I really do like the artwork, which yeah. you know, came straight from the new 52. The new artwork is very the artwork in it is very good, even if it is straight off of the new 52. Like there's really no change at all. Yeah, by and large, I'm okay with it. My only major gripe is that uh, Green Arrow doesn't have his classic goatee. But that's a gripe I've had with the new 52 since the new 52 launched. So you know, expansion packs, man, expansion. But you know what's awesome <laughs> is that Zatanna has her classic magician's outfit and not her new stupid corset thing that she's got rocking in the new 52. Yeah, not all of the art is from the new 52. I don't, I don't think because there are, I think there are a couple characters that haven't even been introduced in the new 52 yet that they've got in this one. But I might be talking far out of my ass at, at this point. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Zatanna definitely is her classic self. Catwoman, I think, is still her classic self. I don't think it's this the new the new cat suit. I'd go rifling through this now, but we're probably coming up on the end, aren't we? Because <laughs> <laughs> I could pull them all out if you want. You and your freaking comic collection. We'll we'll leave it we'll leave it to you, Beboppers, to decide whether or not uh, well you know which which art is which, whether it's all new fifty two or not, because. Regardless of whether or not you like the new 52, the artwork in this game is excellent. They make a lot of really smart choices on it, uh, both from the from an art perspective and from a graphic design perspective. It's a very pretty game to look at, 
And the art that they have chosen really gets you pumped for each of the different heroes and villains and what's going on in the game. So overall, thumbs up on that end. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, I, um, thought we, I thought we didn't do stuff like that. I'm giving a <laughs> thumbs up on on the artwork. Like that. Okay. So that aspect of the game gets a thumbs up. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, overall thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 No overall thumbs. Up. No. I, I, I'd rather. I'd rather give a long, convoluted explanation about <laughs> like the game. Than give blanket thumbs up. That's that's ludicrous. <laughs> so I had a thought, and we're gonna do this live, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shock both my co-hosts as well as as you, the audience, guys, because. Uh, we were discussing what we wanted to talk about um, for the next episode, and we had a couple different ideas on the table. And I say, guys, that we we open it up to the listeners. Let them choose. Let them contact us on Twitter at TabletopBebop or contact one of us directly. We'll give our uh, twi- individual Twitter accounts um, at the end of the uh, at the end of the show, like we normally do, and let let them talk about what they would like to see us review. And if we can do it, let us say, let's do it. I'm all for that. I I like feedback. Yeah, as, yeah, I, yeah. As, I, as I recall, Naki, we we. Did discovered at C2E2 that we have way more listeners than we ever thought we did. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, we had, I had, working in the IGN theater means I work with a lot of techie people behind the scenes. I was actually double mic'd throughout C2E2. Um, I had one mic on one ear, which was the tech people, and then I had a mic on the other ear, which was the read side of things. And the tech side of guys and I were talking about podcasts, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have two. I have All Things Good and Nerdy and Tabletop Bebop. And the guy, one of the tech guys is like, I listen to Tabletop Bebop, and I did not know that was you. And I'm like, huh, because I give my first name in these things, and because, as some of you know, Naki is not my first name. So... That was when I was discovered that I'm I'm not I am indeed Naki. Yeah, it was it was it's, it was very surreal. It's very weird. And um That's I awesome. had people approach me during C2E2 who recognized me through my hair. Um I did not realize that I had very significant colored hair, but apparently the red, pink, purple thing I got going on is loud and obnoxious and you can find me from space. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were listeners of Tabletop Bebop. Hi guys. Uh thanks for tuning in. Hello from North of the Wall. Yeah, if you guys if you guys want to see us want us to review a game, you see you've seen something but you don't know if you want to play it, let us play it for you. We're good at that game, I think. That is my favorite game. You know, there is one way you guys can contact us that I completely forgot we have access to, and that's our email address, which is very simply tabletopbebop at gmail.com. I completely oh. forgot that we even have that. <laughs> yeah, I always forget that we have the email address. So not only would you be doing us a favor by helping us choose the games that you guys want to see review, reviewed, but you would also be helping to remind us that we have an email address. So um, feel free to hit us up, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Obviously, we don't have access to every game all the time forever, but if you guys give us something that we can work with, we will definitely, uh, at the very least, we'll store all of these games for later perusal. Um, But if there's something that we have access to, we we will hunker down and play it and uh, go from there. For also, sure. let us know if you want to see us more than once a month. I mean, that as well. I mean, we could always change our recording times. I mean, if people really want to hear us, I don't know. That might be too much. Too much of us. <laughs> There's no such thing as too much tabletop. Okay, you're the tabletop champion. <laughs> I've yet to actually compete in tabletop. I used to back back in the day. Uh, I used to be a huge Magic the Gathering player. I actually have a Magic the Gathering tattoo, but it has been quite some time since I've played that, and that's mainly because the competition in that area is not so fun. Well, I don't know if I'd get a DC deck building tattoo. 
You just get unless a DC they, tattoo. Unless they uh, have an expansion pack in the works that has Alfred, then I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, what you, what you gotta do is you gotta you gotta get a uh, a tattoo of a hero from the DC deck builder. And when someone's like, "Oh man, cool Superman tattoo," you go like, "Excuse me, this is Superman from the DC deck builder," uh, and act real snooty about it. <laughs> do it. Man of steel. <laughs> yeah, this is the Man of Steel, not Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, he has Batman and Superman tattoos. It's gonna be all about Superman on, or no, it's Batman Unchained, or is it Superman Unchained? One of them's coming out. Unbound. Soon. No, That's it's Unchained. I thought I thought it was Unchained with the Super Chains stuff. Like I don't know. I only saw some some of the DC panel. I was taking what, pictures the, of it. The new cartoon? No, there's actually a new comic book coming out. Oh, I was thinking of the new animated movie. Oh no, there's actually a comic book that's coming out. Um, Just Superman, either. Batman, is it? There's Superman, Batman, and then there's Superman Unchained. I think is what it's called. But I'm glad that they're bringing back the the duo of Superman, Batman. I always like that. I never, I never read that book. It was it was a good read. I think we got off topic. Is this a a comic book show? (laughs) Well, come on. We're talking about a comic book game, so it's okay. We only went a little off topic. For those those beboppers who do suggest games for us, please don't say Marvel Legendary. We are not going to do a third superhero-based card game in a row. And Um, also, that game is awful. (laughs) So wait a couple weeks before you recommend it. Yeah. I think that's it for us tonight, guys. What do you say? I think so. Think you want to let everyone know where, you, where they can find you? Absolutely. Um, you all can find me. Oh, wait. Don't we have that in the, the end of show bumper now? We do have an end of show bumper, but if you have any plugs, now would be the time. I, I got nothing. <laughs> You're going to be on All Things Good and Nerdy this week. God damn it. <laughs> oh, great. Actually, I do I do have a couple of plugs. Besides being on All Things Good and Nerdy this week, uh, this weekend, uh, May the 4th Be With You is uh, the Star Wars weekend. So I will be hosting some events at Unique Gifts and Games in Grayslake, Illinois. On Saturday, I'll be hosting an X-Wing Miniatures Game Tournament. Feel free to come out for that, starting at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And then on Sunday, I will be demoing uh, the Star Wars Living Card Game, also from Fantasy Flight Games, which is a, uh, a unique experience uh, for you card gamers out there. So feel free to come by uh, anytime after noon and uh, check that one out. I will have everything you need to sit down and play the card game. And then if you want to come for the X-Wing game, make sure you've got a tournament-legal 100-point list ready to go. And I'm anxious to see some, uh, some more Interceptors and Slave Ones flying around this time around so come on out for that uh otherwise find me on twitter at plus two cents and at at uh, tabletop bebop suddenly sean appears in gray's lake illinois yeah <laughs> um it's 100 points i swear <laughs> uh let's see plugs 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 uh i have all things good and nerdy which airs live every sunday morning at 11 a.m eastern 10 a.m central time on uh, top of that you can Oh shit, I had something and now I can't remember what it was. Um, you can catch me, uh, in Toronto, uh, abusing the hell out of Sean for about five days this month. Um, Yay. he's super excited to be abused by me. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, what else am I doing? I think All Things Good and Nerdy is pretty much the main plug I had this week or month, uh, since C2E2 is now passed. Oh, duh, May 4th. On top of it being Star Wars Day, it is also National Free Comic Book Day. Um, 
I will be in my comic shop, which I'm not announcing on the air, but if you happen to come by a comic shop, most of them are participating in Free Comic Book Day. Most comic shops allow you three free comic books without any proof of purchase or anything like that, but we always recommend that you buy something that you might think would be interesting. I highly recommend um, picking up Green Arrow, starting with number 17, uh, Jeff Lemaire. Lemaire? Did I say that right? Um, is doing some great work over there with great, with Green Arrow if you have to go of the big two of Marvel or DC. Um, if you want to go independent, I highly I highly recommend Saga. Um, also, Lock and Key or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, And then, of course, there's Revenge of the Fifth on Sunday, which will be during all things. My Christmas. <laughs> and that's Sean's <laughs> Christmas because somebody in this room is a Sith Lord. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I am. And you can find all my Sith loveliness on uh, my Tumblr, guyfoxmask.tumblr.com, or on uh, my Deviant page, which is just under Potato Waste. I don't know if I got the three on there. Probably do. But if you want to find me with, if you want to find the potato waste with the three, you do it on Twitter. Oh yeah, I'm one nerdy cupcake with the number one and not the worded out one. So it's easy to follow us with one nerdy cupcake plus two cents with Ryan and potato waste with a three and not an E. Awesome. So I guess that does it for this week. This month. This month. We're only a monthly. We really need to get weekly so that we stop making that mistake. I don't know if I can record with you guys once a week. I'm going to be all podcasted out. I'm going to be like, oh my god, I have to talk nerdy on Sunday, and then again on Wednesday, and then I guest host on other things, like porn podcasts and things like that, because I like talking about porn. Who doesn't? It is porn. The internet was made for porn. I don't know if it's talking I like doing, but porn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Everybody likes boobs. You don't have to go to the Phantom Zone, but you can't stay here. See you later, Bobbers. Thanks for tuning in, Bebobbers. Send us your feedback on Twitter at Tabletop Bebop. Tell us what games you'd like to see, and we want your opinions. You can also tweet at the cast individually. Naki is at One Dirty Cupcake with the number one. Ryan is at Plus Two Cents with the number two. Or Sean at The Potato Waste with a three and not an E. We'll see you next month.